Attending Bible studies weekly here at Cornerstone has just allowed me to grow in my faith and um, just be surrounded by other sisters in Christ. And just being able to share that with women and to share that with uh, people who are non-judgmental and just took me for who I am. It was through worship at Cornerstone that I learned about the love of Christ and it was through worship at Cornerstone that I learned how to love as a Christian. I am seeing real life examples of my small group growing and I know that you can also grow by joining a small group. The reason I serve the way I do and the, um, the amount I do is because I believe that you will become what you surround yourself by and, and surrounding myself by Cornerstone is, is, has made a difference in my life. We're able to grow as a group, casual, come as you are. Our family serves in different ministries all around the church, all working together as a family with one common goal, to help other people hear the Lord knocking. Hey, good morning. Uh, we're in the middle of a series, Three to Be, and basically what we've been saying to each other is people who have figured out maturity, people who have figured out growing up in Jesus basically have these three things land in their life. Uh, they understand what worship is. They have committed themselves to growth. In other words, it's not passive. It's something that they actively pursue and go after, and then they serve. They serve out of the way that God wired and gifted and made them. And last week, we were tackling this topic of growth together, and here's what we just kind of landed in the room with each other, that if you and I rely on simply coming on Sunday morning, sitting in these purple chairs together, although that's good, and although hopefully that will spur you and I to growth, you and I will not get far enough, fast enough, just in the purple chairs. It, it's just not possible. Come every Sunday, listen to every sermon, apply it. You, you and I just will not get far enough fast enough sitting in the purple chair. So uh, this week we're going to go to the other side. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to make a commitment to growth? What does it mean to begin to go far enough, fast enough? And the answer is uh, you and I have got to get plugged in. <laughs> that you and I were made and designed by God to be plugged in in the community of other believers. You, you get the, that this is highly effective. It's a great tool. But it was built to be plugged in. And, and you can walk around your back patio all you want with it unplugged. You ain't getting much done. See, the reality of the thing, the thing that empowers it is being plugged in. And what you and I have got to come and kind of resolve in our hearts is if we're going to go far enough, we're going to get there fast, you and I have got to be plugged in. It's because, ready? It's how God wired us. It's how God designed you and me as Christians to grow. And when you and I ignore that, when you and I say, I don't need to be plugged in, you realize you and I become incredibly ineffective in this issue of growth. Now, here's the deal. I'm not saying to you that if you never get plugged in to community and church that you can't grow. You can. See, you, you, could, you could sign up for seminary classes. Uh, you could spend uh, your week surfing the web and trying to find the best sermon by the best pastor out there. You could buy yourself a whole bunch of commentaries. You could say, look, I'm going to spend hours upon hours in devotions every single week. See, I'm, I'm just going to do this solo. I'm going to do this all on my own. You could stand in front of the mirror and self-reflect. You know, I'm not sure why I did that. I wonder what was going on in my... You can do that. But what you need to know is because of how you're wired, because of the fact that you're ignoring how God made you, because you're not getting plugged into the community of other believers, you will never be as effective. You will never get as far, as fast, doing this thing solo. You just can't. 
I, I've used an illustration. I've told this story a couple times in our church. And I'm going to tell it again because it literally is the week in my life when church came alive, when all of a sudden the scales dropped from my eyes, and I went, oh, my goodness. Because here's the deal. I was one of them. I was one of those guys who said, I can do this by myself. I, 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 matter of fact, other Christians are kind of like extra baggage on the trip. I can get there better, faster, quicker, solo. And in the course of one week, on a backpack trip in Colorado, God just absolutely revolutionized, just changed my entire concept, my entire understanding of what the church is about and why this lone wolf needed church in his life. I'm 21, and I'm doing an internship at church. I, 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 I'm leading a singles ministry, and I'm the youngest guy in the ministry. And uh, the guy who had been in charge uh, sent me uh, on the traditional every year back Colorado backpacking trip. And to make sure, because I hadn't done a whole lot of backpacking and because I was highly inexperienced, they sent along a gentleman by the name of Frank Terrico. And Frank was the other end of the, I mean, the guy was grizzled. The guy had gone backpacking like a gazillion times. The guy was eating granola grape nut something or other. I mean, it was, he was Mr. Backpack. Only one small deficit for Frank Terrico. He was blind. Not all the way blind, but just legally blind. I mean, that point where, you know, if he squinted really, really hard, he could make out large objects in the distance. And he's leading the trip. He's our guide on the trip which made it very interesting. We'd gotten a couple days in on the backpack trip. We had a layover day because we knew everybody wasn't acclimated to the altitude. It was a chance to rest a little bit, but some of the people in the camp were bored, and so they started talking, well, you know, we ought to do something other than just sit here all day. And so Frank, unbeknownst to me, offers to the tr people on the trip, hey, there's this peak over here, the thing's like 14.5, 14,500 feet, we could go climb that, and, and you would just have this incredible sense of accomplishment if you get to the top. There's nothing like being on the top of a huge mountain looking over the world. And he said, I'll take you guys up there. We'll get back down, you know, probably by dinner time uh, today. So next thing I know here uh, is a whole bunch of the group going, and some of them were girls. And because I was a 21-year-old male, I couldn't look like a sissy and stay home. And so I had to go on the trip, even though I didn't want to go on the trip. And we start up this mountain. Now, if you've never been out backpacking, uh, especially at altitude, uh, you, you realize pilots turn on their oxygen at 12,000 feet. We're going to go to 14.5. So as we're going up this mountain, you're taking a couple steps, <sighs> the whole way up this mountain. We get to within, I don't know, maybe five, 600 feet of the top of the mountain, and what has already been just unbelievably vertical, I mean, it's been steep getting to where we are now becomes, for all intents and purposes, straight up and down. Everybody's going, well, you know, we ought to try this. And, of course, blind Frank is saying, yeah, we can do this. Yeah, <laughs> follow me. I'll get you there. Uh, so we start up this sheer uh, part of the mountain. We get about 300 feet from the crest and realize there is no going forward. Going forward is death. So here we are, we're on the side of this mountain, our, our fingertips into teeny little notches, our toes hanging off the, and going, okay, it, we need to turn and, and go back the way we came. Now, if you've ever done any climbing at all, here's what you know. Going back 
is scarier than going up. So now we turn and look below us. And you can't see any. I mean, it's straight up and down, and your feet are in the way, and you don't want to push away from the mountain far enough to see what you, you know, it was down below, and you can't. See, when you were coming up, it was in front of you, but now it's below. And let's, let's just say some people on the trip began to weep. I won't name any names, but they began to weep. I'm going to tell you that I didn't weep visibly. <laughs> I was a leader. I couldn't. So now here we are trying to navigate down this hill. Absolute terror, knowing we're in trouble. Here's how we got down. People who were lower on the hill which by virtue of the fact that they're lower on the hill means they're further on their way to escape than those of us who are higher on the hill. People who were further down the hill began to take the heels of the people who were above them and guide their feet to little nubs, I mean little nubs on the side of the mountain. It was, it was just, it was terrifying. Turn after time after turn after turn, they, they guided, their, and then the person who was lower than them would guide their feet down. You get that that's community. You, you get that that is the church. See, that's, that's what I discovered on the side of a mountain as a 21-year-old about why I didn't want to be alone, because here's the deal. I, I might have made it down that mountain by myself. I don't know but it had been a heck of a lot more dangerous by myself. Probably would have taken an awful lot longer by myself. And I surely wouldn't have had the help of someone seeing what I couldn't see, doing what I... It's why you and I need to get plugged into community too. Because here's the answer. There are people who've done what you're trying to do right now in your Christian life. See, they've already gone there. The, the, the thing you're struggling with, the thing you're trying to figure out, they've already done it because they're further along and they have the capacity to take your heel and move it to where it needs to be. Move it to where you and I can navigate the cliff. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles real quick and go with me to the book of 2 Timothy. And if you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and then work to the left, uh, you're going to find this book of 2 Timothy. It's right after 1 Timothy, if that helps. 2 Timothy chapter 2, here's, here's what it simply says. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, and the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So get the moment. Here's Paul saying to a young man by the name of Timothy, Timothy, look, take what I have taught you. Take the things that I learned by walking with Jesus and have now instilled in your life. But your job is to take what I gave to you and what I handed off to you, and you need to then turn and hand it to Believers who are coming up behind you, and you're going to do this and express to them, you've got to say it out loud, that their job, once they've been handed off to, once they've been helped, once you've put the foot where it belongs, their job is to do the same thing for the person coming up behind them. 
And you get this is the model for the church. This is, this is the wonder of doing community together because there are people who have done exactly what you and I need to do already. And you and I have the opportunity to leverage their knowledge, their success. Because here's the deal. There are some of us in this room, and you're just trying to figure out, how do you do marriage? How do you do marriage with a husband like mine? How do you, how do you respond to a wife? And it's not that everything's blown to shreds. It's just, you're going to look, I, I, I know I don't have it figured out yet. How do you do that? you realize there are people in this room who've already done what you're trying to do, have already, have already taken their marriage to a level that is unbelievably satisfying, where husbands and wives wake up and go, I am so thrilled to be married to the person. You realize there's people who have done what you're trying to do. Why wouldn't you let them place your feet? Please, please tell me that you and I aren't so stubborn and stuck on being solo that you and I are going to come down this cliff by ourselves. There are people in this room who right now are trying to figure out what do you do with a 13-year-old. You know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, your daughter is 13, and you and mom, mom and dad, you're idiots. You realize that somehow you dropped off the planet and lost your brains and every 13-year-old little girl that she's friends with is smarter than you. You know that, right? But some of us in this room have already navigated 13. Some of us in this room have already looked our child in the eyes while our child's looking back at us and going, and, and we actually got to the other end, and our kids turned back into humans again. And you get that based on what God did in your life and how you were able to navigate those moments, there are people in this room who need you to turn back behind and say, let me tell you what I learned about godly biblical parenting going through this. And probably because someone ahead of me spoke a little bit into me. And so I will, I will turn and speak into you. You get this as the church. And you and I get farther, faster, when we allow those who've gone on ahead, who are further along, to speak into us. And guys, just those of us who maybe would say, I'm further ahead, turning to those who are behind and not leaving them behind. As we were coming down that mountain, there'd be moments when uh, somebody would uh, start to on their own, kind of place their foot somewhere. And it was a common discussion coming down that hill for someone to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go that way. You go, you go that way. I know it looks good right now, but the problem is it dead ends in about four feet. And you're going to get stuck. And you're going to have to backtrack up the mountain. Don't go that way. If you actually move to your right a little bit, there's a crevice. And, and you can come right down that crevice. You can stick your hand in and lock. You'll get four feet to the right better path down. The reason people were able to do that is because since they were lower on the hill, they could see stuff. They had a better vantage point than the people who were further back up the hill. 
and their perspective, their ability to see what others couldn't see, completely changed what it meant to come down that hill. You get that you and I need that. I don't care how self and introspective you are. I don't care how honest you are with yourself. You and I have blind spots. See, we're balder on the back of our head than we realize. And, and until somebody who's got a better perspective can point it at you, you know, I don't even know we need to work on it. We don't even know it's an issue yet. Matter of fact, uh, grab your Bibles real quick and hop over with me to the book of James. It's going to be a little bit to the right in your Bible. James chapter 1 talks a little bit about this moment. James chapter 1, starting in verse 22, simply says this, Do not merely listen to the Word of God and so deceive yourselves. See, saying, look, it's possible for you to hear the Word of God. You self-evaluate. You think you're further along than you are. You, you, you go, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty darn good. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So get the moment. Scripture says, look, Anytime you and I get exposed to the Bible, anytime you and I do that, that the best way to describe it's like looking in a mirror. So you and I look at Scripture, we look in the mirror, and we go, wow, I got a zit. Uh, hmm, you know, I'm 50 years old and I got a zit. But, you know, I, it'll, it'll be okay. No one else will notice. And uh, we go on or we look at our hair and we say, oh, yeah, it's a little messed up. And Scripture says the propensity of every Christian, not just every Christian, is to look at Scripture come up with a couple reasons why it's that way, or I'll work on it later, or I'll get to it after a while. It's not as bad as I thought, or the Scripture would make it out. And so Scripture says we walk away from the mirror and we just forget. We, we... The power of community is that there are believers around you who can see what's going on in your life from a perspective that you can't see. And good community... Those friends come back and they go, no, 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 we're going to look in the mirror again. I, I, you need to take a second evaluation about that. We're not going to let you walk away and forget so easily in your life. You ready to write it? Because there are people on the hill of life who can see things about your life that you can't see from where you are. In our staff, we... Uh, we Early in the morning, we have kind of an executive staff meeting, five or six of the probably executive level leaders in the church, and then we go in and have a staff meeting with the rest of the staff together. I'm in executive level staff, and one of the guys said, hey, I need to do a short presentation about some stuff, and so he goes up to the board, and he starts writing some stuff on the board, and about midway through, I'm thinking to myself, what? I think we've already talked about, I mean... I thought we already settled this. I thought I, this, this seems to be like going completely backwards from what we've kind of said we were going to do to get, I, I don't get it. So I began to ask some questions in, in the process of asking the questions. Um, we began to have healthy dialogue. And uh, uh, 
we went through, I mean, it, it, was, it was healthy enough, guys, that finally someone in the room said, you know what, let's just stop this and talk about it later. So now, now I'm going, I don't think that person realizes how wrong they were. So I, I spent the rest of the time in staff meeting, and I, I started writing a list of all the reasons I was right. I had like 20 reasons. I mean, I was so right. I mean, I was right. So I thought, you know what, I, I, don't, th I don't know if anybody else in the room caught how right I was. I, I need to go visit the other people in the room and share with them my rightness. And so I did. I took my list and I, I went into the first room and I said, look, I, you know, I, did, I, did, I just want to follow up on what we were talking about in an executive meeting today. And I, I don't know if we got it. You know, and I, I get that you know, it, it got a little bit tense, but, but I want to go through my list of rightness. And, and as soon as I said it got a little bit tense, uh, the first person I met said, tense? Dude, that was like atomic. That was like, said, you were like spitting stuff in your veins. And I went, no, 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 no. That was, that was healthy dialogue. That was two brothers sharing. Sheesh. So I go to the next room. I'm going, you know, I, I, apparently they can't get it. And uh, I went to the next room and I said, yeah, I just want to talk about, you know, executive media today. And I've got my list of 20 things, you know, why I was right and why the, you know, the person was wrong. And I just thought I'd share that. And, you know, the last person I met with was kind of dumb because they, they thought it got out of hand. And my executive person said, uh, it did. I said, Lynn, you know, honestly, I mean, I, I think we all forgot what we were talking about. And everybody was just focused on you and, and how tense the room got. And honestly, you know, honestly, Lynn, I, as an executive member of your staff, I, I'm a little afraid to share. You, you get we've all got blind spots, right? You get that we've all got moments that we live through life that we got a hundred reasons why we're right and why, And that the power of community is when someone who loves you enough to say, no, you know, can, can I just, can I reflect back to you what that moment was really like? Because I can see things you can't see. Guys, it's why doing life in community gets you and me further, faster. It's why being plugged in with other Christians is absolutely vital to you and me. See, I, I got down off that hill and I sat in my tent that night. <laughs> and I went, you know, I, I might still be on the side of that mountain if I hadn't had people there with me. Placing my foot where I needed to go, seeing what I needed to see. And I don't know, I, I might have made it, I don't know. But boy, it would have been a lot riskier and a lot slower in my life. So here's what we're going to ask you to do. We're going to ask you to get plugged in. We're, we're going to ask you to, to take and say, look, this is how God wired me. This is how God made me. And, and I, I just have to be plugged in. Because that changes things. It, I get further, faster, plugged in. So out on the patio, you guys saw it when you walked in. We have got our opportunities. We've got the ways for you to find community here at Cornerstone. Okay? And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you for 30 days. And it's just, you know, think about that. Most of our communities meet once a week. So what, what did I say? Four times. Would you go experience community four times? Because we're convinced that if you do, you'll go, oh, my goodness. I'm going further, 
faster than I ever thought possible. So would you just go see if we're telling you the truth? Would you go four times? And the places that you get to do community, the place you get to do life with other Christians in this, in this place is simply this. We've got small groups. So that's houses with about 10 to 12 people digging into Scripture, digging into life together. We've got small churches, which is a little bit bigger venue. So now it's maybe 40 or 50 people in the room. Has tends to be a little more content-driven. Raise your hand. Let me ask you. I don't know what that is. Teacher-led. We've got an amazing class going over for young marrieds over there with a, a guy leading it who's landed his marriage. Saying, let me tell you what I figured out the hard way. And you don't have to. Uh, there's the mine, which meets in this room every single Tuesday night. Okay, we got one person who goes to the mine. And... Uh, it's just a verse by verse, let's dig into Scripture, let's learn the Bible for ourselves. There's like 500 people in this room every Tuesday night together doing the mine. Uh, we've got women's ministry, so you may say, look, I'm here by myself, my husband doesn't come, I, I need a, it'd be weird to be in with a couple, go to a women's ministry growth group. It's possible the things you're dealing with right now are women, go to a women's ministry growth group, and then men's. Guys, there's guys who are going, look, I, I got some things I know I need to deal with, but I don't want to sit in a room with ladies here in this. Are you kidding me? Or you just go, you know what, I went to, the, and they were talking pink. I don't want to talk pink. I want to talk beef. You know, so go to the men's minutes. That's okay. That's okay. But would you, for, four, for 30 days, go experience community? And then the last thing I want to say real quick, some of us in this room are single, and we've actually got a singles ministry. It's not on the car, but we've got a singles ministry. It meets every single Thursday night right here on the campus. And you may just say, look, at this moment in my life, navigating singleness, I need to be in a room with other singles, other Christian singles trying to do Then go to singles every Thursday night right here on this campus. But go somewhere. For four weeks, go somewhere and experience community. The other part is, some of you say, well, I'm in community right now, but it's not stretching me. Then opt out. Go to one that's more challenging. You get that we've got different levels on here. We've got stuff that's harder and more uh, challenging, and we've got stuff that's for beginners. And you may be in a beginner room. Go to a, go to a room that's going to stretch you. But go to a room. Go to community with believers. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we just, we get it. We get, we get that you wired us and you made us to do this thing in community, to do this thing together. And we get further when other Christians are involved in our lives. We just do. They see things that we don't see. They know things that we don't know. And there's, there's absolutely no reason to do this thing solo. So why would we? And God, I'm just going to ask that you would so burn this in, within the heart of your children today that we would walk from this room, we'd walk right out on that patio where all the opportunities are, and we'd sign up. We'd say, I'm, I'm, I'm at least going to give it a try for four weeks. I'm going to find out if this really works or not. Four weeks. Four weeks to go further faster than ever before in my Christian life. We'll try. We'll do this thing because we desperately, desperately want to grow up, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.